Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this show, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, April 22nd. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, and today we're talking about the One in Two movement with Dr. Roy Dittman and Allison Witherspoon and One in Two conference presenter, Dr. Judy Mikovits. Dr. Roy Dittman is the author of the landmark book, Brighton Baby, a revolutionary organic approach to having an extraordinary child. He has dedicated his professional life to evolving an integral organic approach to prevent birth defects and optimize fetal brain development during the perinatal period. As early as the late 1980s, Dr. Dittman forewarned health professionals and the public that our existing diet and lifestyle trends would lead to an exponential rise in autism, ADD, birth defects, and infertility. His Brighton Baby Book series is designed to coach couples on how to reverse these trends and conceive birth, and raise extraordinary children organically. Allison Witherspoon worked at Citizens for Health on their Keep Organic Organic campaign, spearheading a citizen movement to prevent the USDA from including GMOs in their definition of organic. Subsequently, she joined Dr. Roy Dittman in co-founding and managing two natural biopharma companies in the late 90s and then editing Dr. Dittman's Brighton Baby Book. She now serves as co-founder and administrator at the Brighton Institute. Dr. Judy Mikovits earned her Ph.D. in biochemistry and molecular biology from George Washington University. In her 35-year quest to understand and treat chronic diseases, she has studied natural products chemistry, immunobiology of retroviral-associated inflammatory diseases, epigenetics, stem cell biology, and drug development with the goal to understand complex biological issues in order to yield unbiased, integrated, cutting-edge diagnostics and treatments for patients and physicians impacted by some of the most challenging chronic diseases. You may know Dr. Mikovits from discussion of the XMRV virus. We will hear from her about how Dr. Mikovits was used as a scapegoat, sending a clear message of the fate of anyone who dared investigate environmental causes of autism. Welcome to everyone. Thank you. Good morning. Let's Good morning. start with talking about the one in two movement. Uh, Dr. Dittman, Allison, can you please explain some of the urgency behind the one in two movement? Well, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and take that one. So, so basically, the urgency of the of the one in two movement is that today, right now, we find ourselves in a very difficult situation. Today, 54% of children have one or more debilitating health conditions. That includes things like asthma, obesity, uh, autism, learning disability, uh, ADD, depression, diabetes. When we include all of these things, we find that more than half of our children today are suffering. And, you know, that's a field day for drug companies because they, they've got a drug for every disease. So it's a... Uh, it's, it's, we find ourselves in this very challenging position to protect our children um, from drug side effects and, and to go on and have healthy children themselves is, is um, becoming more and more of a challenge. And the other thing is, is that, of course, 
uh, right now autism is skyrocketing, and, and we have several different uh, leading experts out in the field uh, now warning us that the, that the levels of autism are rising to such an extent that by 2025, we could see actually one in two children again being born somewhere along the autism spectrum or developing autism sometime in their childhood. And those are, those are astounding numbers, and, and they're numbers that should give all of us uh, great concern, and it, it's something that should set off every alarm bell uh, possible in media and in medicine, and yet here we are um, being put back to sleep again and being told that we don't know the leading causes of autism and there's nothing to see here, and we have to suffer the consequences of a failed genetic uh, situation. So there is a theory that by 2025, if we do nothing, one in two children could have medical autism, and um, there's a feeling at the one in two movement that we have to protect our children and our future, and that right now there's still a chance to turn it all around. I think it was back in, appro- in 1994, approximately 1994, when the CDC autism alarm came out, and they cited one in six children who had some sort of problem going on, some sort of behavioral or neurodevelopmental uh, issue going on. Allison, can you cite items that substantiate the things that you were talking about? Uh, absolutely. I'm actually going to have Dr. Dittman do that. He's in front of the research right now. I can cite a couple from memory, but let's go ahead and be accurate. The research studies are, um, uh, one was done by Dr. Samsel, which was published in Entropy, and in there they discussed the fact that glyphosate plays a leading role in contributing to autism uh, and actually creating the substrate or the condition inside of which autism arises. And he was quoted uh, in an interview with Zen Honeycutt, uh, who is the founder of Moms Across America, as saying that by 2025, one in two will develop autism. This is a, um, a scathing testimony. It's a wonderful interview to watch, um, and it's available at momsacrossamerica.com. Um, the second study uh, was published in Interdisciplinary Toxicology uh, by Dr. Stamsel, in 2013, and they found that uh, glyphosate was actually a contributor to celiac disease and uh, gluten intolerance, which, of course, is something that we find very common in autism. And in her public papers that she delivers at uh, conferences around the country, she actually also believes that if we do nothing by 2025, one in two children will have autism. And, and you have to understand, both of these researchers are, are not saying uh, that glyphosate alone is, is the cause. What they're saying is, is that it creates a general overall um, condition inside of which other things can then enter the body, take hold, um, and, and contribute to autism. So it's, it's a, we're dealing with a um, cascade here, uh, as it were. The other is, is that um, uh, in the... The journal, Academic Pediatrician in 2011, uh, is where they actually say 54.1% of children are born with one or more uh, debilitating or they develop one or more debilitating health conditions that are actually tied back to the womb. So they're actually calling them birth defects, even though we're seeing things like diabetes, which we normally think of as as being diet-related or something that's going to emerge in childhood. These, these events actually are, have their source origin in, in either toxins or uh, inability to detox or failed diet, uh, failed nutrition uh, during the perinatal period. Thank you, Allison, for uh, quoting from Drs. Seneff and Samsel and also the report in academic pediatrics. Um, we were told 
and there are there are more peer-reviewed published articles that talk about, for example, uh, things to do with physiological illness that uh, where it's biologically plausible that this could have been caused by vaccine components or mechanisms. So if you look at autism as a constellation of behavioral manifestations uh, and functional deficits, uh, you need to look beyond that to the legitimate underlying physiological conditions. And there is plenty of published peer-reviewed research that lends credence to the fact that vaccines can indeed, vaccine uh, components and or mechanisms can indeed be culpable in the autism epidemic. We were told that years ago, mercury was uh, taken out of vaccines in the childhood vaccine schedule, or at least reduced, not that we can say trace amounts are okay, but then the statistics could have been skewed because of the addition of the mercury-containing flu shots. But even if mercury went down, we know that aluminum went up. And aluminum is a very deleterious physiological factor. Um, as a matter of fact, I uh, had a dialogue with MIT research scientist, Dr. Stephanie Seneff. I asked her what she thought caused autism, and she said glyphosate working synergistically with aluminum and mercury. So, uh, Dr. Dittman or Allison, would you care to comment on any of that? Well, well, I'm very interested in Dr. Mikovic's research because, uh, you know, according to Paul Patterson um, in his book, Infectious Behavior, where he he shows there's a, a he, he talks about, well, the sub, subtitle of this book is Brain Immune Connections in Autism, Schizophrenia, and Depression. And he points out that maternal infection is very clearly linked to especially with bipolar disorders, autism, schizophrenia. In, in, back, in Paul Patterson's book, who's a professor at uh, USC's Tech School of Medicine, he really clearly points out this correlation between um, maternal infection and I think also paternal infection, uh, that's my opinion, and autism spectrum disorders. And, and, with, uh, and it clearly makes sense to me that... Uh, looking at the XMRV virus being somehow related to um, fibromyalgia and CFS, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, makes sense also because in those conditions you see low growth hormone production, which is very important for the baby's brain development. Uh, that uh, through the pituitary stimulates uh, liver function to produce IGF-2 um, uh, insulin like growth factor 2, mannose-6-phosphate, which is a critical molecule in determining the baby's intelligence and cognitive abilities. So um, if that's suppressed in any way, uh, either directly through the liver or through um, viral conditions or through chronic uh, immunal problems, immunoregulatory problems, um, it makes sense that um, that, that would cause um, uh, impaired development and the embryological brain or fetal brain. So um, this is a very interesting conversation for me. Uh, it's it's uh, something I think that we need to extrapolate on. Of course, I can understand why 
the established uh, pharmaceutical companies would be upset about. Um, you know, Dr. Simon, we're having research. trouble hearing you again. Um, we're going to pick up with that thought when we come back from break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We will be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Holy hormones, honey. Every week, this groundbreaking radio show brings you insight about hormone fluctuations, addressing the core biological issues that cause mood disorders, and offers a general support center for women everywhere at any stage in their lives. Host Leslie Carol Botha has the passion and drive to help you make informed decisions about your well-being and reclaim your life. Holy Hormones, Honey, sponsored by True Hope Incorporated, the leaders in brain health, is broadcast live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back talking about the one and two movement with Dr. Roy Dittman and Allison Witherspoon and one and two conference presenter, Dr. Judy Mikovits. Before the break, Dr. Dittman, you were about to say that you can understand why something is happening. Go ahead. Yes. Also, it's, it's very interesting what's going on with infection and the link between uh, toxoplasmosis gondii and clostridium and uh, clostridia infections that are actually epidemic in this country. Um, a good friend of mine who's a very prestigious gastroenterologist in Los Angeles area has already published a few papers regarding his, his personal research uh, um, on this within L.A. hospitals. So he's, um, he's found out that, that uh, what used to be 1 in 10,000 uh, infections with uh, toxoplasmosis gondii is now, uh, in one recent study, over 600 out of 1,400 patients. Um, so he's, he's recording about a 45% to 51% infection rate in L.A. County hospitals. This is a very serious um, condition because it's a, it's a virulent infection and it's clearly linked to autism spectrum disorders. Yet, um, again, this information is being suppressed. Uh, uh, they actually um, threatened him. Uh, when he uh, published this research and when he disclosed this, um, and, and we might wonder why. I, I think the reason why is because it's, it's so scandalous, and the fact that it's gone from 1 in 10,000 to 
to 45% of the population in, in these hospitals, uh, people being tested, is, is, uh, is testimony to the failure of various governmental policies, um, namely NAFTA. It, it appears that in most of these doctors that I've spoken to who want to remain um, anonymous for right now, but they will soon come out with their research uh, even more publicly. It's, of course, it's published already. But um, uh, they think that it was after NAFTA that this increased because the chain of custody where you have soil-to-table uh, chain of custody and uh, integrity uh, of an inspection of produce is pretty much out the window. There's no way that a farmer's market or anybody here uh, from the public can check on the integrity and the purity of the food quality um, from farms in other countries. And so that has kind of been, have, has kind of just been left uh, to our own devices to figure out where our food is coming from and whether it's uh, contaminated. But it's a very serious problem. And so again, it it, it very much validates the general theory that Dr. Mikovits is, is making in her papers as well. And I'm very interested in this line of reasoning because I'm very interested in practical things that parents can do to prevent autism spectrum disorders and to prevent problems with their children in general, health problems. And toxoplasmosis Gandhi is a very serious condition that so many people have, but they don't really know that they have it. Oftentimes the symptoms are subclinical. So... Um, I, I love where this conversation is going as well. I can't wait to hear Dr. Mikovits uh, talk about her research as well. And we will be uh, speaking more with Dr. G. Mikovits in the second half of this show. Allison, can you fill us in in the flu vaccine during pregnancy, uh, the deleterious effects of mercury uh, in vaccines and Toxoplasma Gandhi and the flu vaccine together? <laughs> sure. Let me see if I can type tie a nice, neat little bow around this. So um, to start that out, let's start out with the uh, State of the World Mother's Report, which was published in 2011 and found just a, an astounding re- result, which was that half of all infants that die in their first day of life are born in the United States. That includes all industrialized nations. That is, that is mind-blowing to think about. So something is going wrong in our hospitals when our children are being born, and I, I don't believe that we have more drug-addicted babies or that there's something unusual uh, about our socioeconomic um, existence here in the United States that, that differs all that much from other industrialized nations. So I think we have to look to medical practices taking place around birth, whether that's cesarean or whether it's first-day vaccination. There's been a strong link between sudden infant death syndrome and, um, and vaccinations. And so we, we start to look at and peel back the layers of what's causing that. Well, obviously, in a number of vaccines for a lot of years, mercury existed. They started to pull back on the amount of mercury in vaccines when parents started to create a link and researchers between mercury and autism. And then they had to look for other adjuvants, other, substitu- uh, other substitutions, and and in some cases, those substitutions have been the other heavy metal, aluminum. Well, we start to, we start to create a heavy metal uh, cocktail in the body. We start to create cytokine response. That cytokine response, which is the immune system's natural response to, um, to toxins like this and to other viruses, by the way, 
we wake up sleeping giants. And so toxoplasma, uh, toxoplasma gondii, which uh, creates toxoplasmosis in, um, in the brain, uh, lies dormant here until a cytokine reaction takes place. So it's like this little sleeping giant that maybe as much as 45% of us are walking around with, and, and especially in our infants and children, and then all of a sudden we get injected with a, a vaccine or we get exposed to potentially, um, you know, a flu virus, which we'll get into in a minute, and, uh, and then um, as a result of that, we wake up Toxoplasma gondii, and now we've got toxoplasmosis. And if we happen to be pregnant um, or we're an infant and this event has happened, uh, we don't certainly have the, the infant and or um, fetus doesn't have the defenses that it needs to prevent, um, to prevent an autism event from happening. So this is, we start to look at the confluence of heavy metals uh, interacting with viruses uh, and, and, and how they interact with the immune system. We start to get a picture for all the different ways in which autism can actually arise in a child. Um, I think the other thing you wanted me to, to talk about was the, uh, the interaction between heavy metals. So um, in Dr. Sinep's uh, research, or her opinion, she believes that aluminum and glyphosate interacting are actually uh, a primary trigger for autism. Um, I, I think it's interesting when we talk about single heavy metals, I think this research on the, the compound effects is really telling. So they did this animal study on rats, and they took 50 rats, and in those 50 rats, they injected just enough uh, mercury to kill one rat, called an LD1 test. So out of 50, one rat dies. Okay, great. One rat's gone. We're down to 49. Then they take those same 49 rats and they inject all of them with enough lead to kill one rat. So they, they know what, what the amount is, right? They've predetermined this in other research, hopefully uh, over the years. So they inject those rats, those same rats, with enough lead to kill one, and surprisingly, all 49 die. So this gives us a hint of how these heavy metals can interact and cause compounded effects in our body. So it's ironic that, um, you know, we pull back from mercury in the vaccines and we start adding aluminum. Well, those children likely either through maternal um, exposure in the womb or through environment have already been exposed to mercury. And, and now they're being exposed to also aluminum. So, so it, while it was a great thing that we did that, we potentially started um, to cause compounded effects unintentionally. So I, I hope that answers answers what you were looking for, Terry. Thank you, Allison. And in the time remaining in this segment, can you t- share with us for a couple of minutes about the Brighton Baby book? I'll let, I'll let Dr. Dittman do that one. <laughs> yes, well, I just wanted to say one more thing about that, too, Allison, is that, is that I, in my practice and uh, uh, the training we've been doing for perinatal specialists right now, curriculums, uh, we're, what we're doing is looking at when a baby should be vaccinated. One thing a lot of parents aren't aware of is that there are certain babies that definitely should not be vaccinated, especially, um, you know, you can, if you look at their profiles, um, their hair, their urine, their blood, you can see certain signs. If they have a, like a high globulin um, levels compared to low albumin, if they have high copper relative to very low zinc or very low copper as well, or very low copper and zinc, or low adrenal function, uh, thyroid function, and so forth, and with heavy metals already, 
uh, detected in their hair. I mean, that, that is a very clear sign that you should not uh, vaccinate that baby at that time. So there's, there's definitely a big difference about, you know, between children. Some children can handle a vaccination, some, some can't. And uh, that's just my clinical uh, observation of looking at these things for about 22 years now. But um, back to the Brighton Baby book, um, we try to, in the Brighton Baby book, uh, what we're trying to give uh, parents is a practical reference book that they can easily look uh, uh, up uh, interesting or uh, curious uh, little things that they're looking for, blind spots, you might say, where parents don't really look at. And rather than get caught not seeing a blind spot and ending up with a problem with your child, we're trying to be preemptive and say, here's preventive pediatrics. By, by looking at these issues before you conceive and looking at them during your pregnancy, you have a, you're much more powerful in your way to direct your child's growth and development in every possible way so that your child can reach its, its optimal ontological potential in this life. And the other thing we do is we go through... Um, more of a biodynamic ontological view of, uh, of how the embryo fetal brain develops and the whole how the baby forms in the womb in real time um, and what's forming at what period and what to do during those periods. And we look also um, as opposed to the static model, um, which is really not accurate uh, according to human uh, development, actually. So uh, we give you the tools that you can you can use to actually be in the driver's seat, so to speak, where you can direct your own family's health and well-being and uh, understand the roadblocks that are standing in your way. So we hope that everyone will join us in Chicago, May 21st through 25th, and especially on May 21st at the launch of the One in Two movement as we mobilize to educate, advocate, and inspire with Dr. Dittman, Allison Witherspoon, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, Dr. Mikovits, and more. And when we come back from break, we will be talking with Dr. Judy Mikovits. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Judy Mikovits, who earned her Ph.D. in biochemistry and molecular biology from George Washington University. In her 35-year quest to understand and treat chronic diseases, she has studied natural products chemistry, immunobiology of retroviral-associated inflammatory diseases, epigenetics, stem cell biology, and drug development with the goal to understand complex biological issues in order to yield unbiased, integrated, cutting-edge diagnostics and treatments for patients and physicians impacted by some of the most challenging chronic diseases. And Dr. Mikovits, you have a lot to say about what Dr. Roy Dittman and Allison Witherspoon were just talking about. Uh, yes, I do, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. It's uh, a um, very uh, interesting and provocative uh, discussion. Uh, it's, uh, it was the uh, what I saw in families. So when we talk about one in two, um, I was looking most of my career at chronic diseases, cancer in adults, and neurological diseases, um, then to the MECFS fibromyalgia. And what I saw when I looked at families and then started seeing the kids that were sick um, with autism and, and all of the chronic diseases you discussed is that basically the families had the same uh, in, immunological uh, defects, disorders, dysregulation. We heard Allison talk about those cytokines that get um, that can get turned on by inflammation, inflammation by heavy metals, by environmental toxins, by GMOs, by um, the the natural process of vaccination. So we've been talking about vaccination and, and something we haven't touched on is that it's not necessarily in the vaccine. It's, it's, it's giving a vaccine at the wrong time in the development or at the wrong time when, uh, when a child, as we heard Dr. Dippen said, is, is facing other environmental heavy metals, other things going on or early in life. Um, I've, I've been, I, I often say I've been an immunologist for 30 years, and I don't know what a 24-hour-old immune system looks like, um, and nobody does. So why are we giving HBV vaccines, hepatitis B vaccines, to our infants within a day of their, of their birth? Say, uh, you know, we don't know what that, that is doing to their immune systems and what can happen and, and what we've done, seen in animal studies as, as we've changed from um, mercury or from just stimulating B-cell responses is switched to aluminum, other things, more powerful adjuvants that aren't even necessarily heavy metals. What we're doing is we're turning on uh, the immune system, multiple arms of the immune system with multiple different antigens, and, and what you end up with is basically a state of energy where uh, your immune system couldn't, um, couldn't respond to the 
those antigens if they wanted to. So actually the vaccines, rather than educating the immune system to respond to a future uh, insult with a pathogen, they're, they're basically anergic. They have no memory response um, and, 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 in fact, can, can lead to the development of the very diseases that they're trying to protect again and the reemergence of, of those pathogens. As we heard, uh, heavy metals also alter the epigenetics, that is, change the gene expression without changing the genetics, um, demethylate genes, turning on uh, both cellular and waking up those sleeping giants that we heard, so changing further um, the, the viruses, the pathogens, um, uh, the bacteria, the things that your immune system should be clearing and should be keeping uh, silent uh, um, are, are actually awakened in this in this light of um, really a, just sort of a, a, a total assault between the inflammation created by um, in our environments by our bad food. Um, we we could talk endlessly about um, GMO foods and and these vectors actually um, interact with the immune cells in much the way um, vaccines do. Those are the very vectors and and things that that. Um, we, we use um, in molecular biology. So you have then recombination events with um, you know, exogenous and endogenous pathogens, um, and those recombination events can, can wreak havoc and, um, and, and that, the, the brain inflammation that, that we're seeing and totally dysregulate um, our methylation patterns, which we all know are key in development, especially in those early days when the methylation pattern that the, the, the baby um, inherits within 24 hours, it wipes clean and resets totally. Well, in that 24 hours, if you're giving an HBV vaccine, what are you doing? And, and then multiple vaccines at three months, at eight months, um, before at a state of the baby's immune system where you have no idea the development and if there are genetic susceptibilities, if there are family issues. Um, uh, you know, as, as Dr. Dittman said, we, we just simply shouldn't be giving these vaccines. Um, and and so I think what my work I first when we first started working in the in the families with these diseases um, I was. Um, introduced to Judy Vandewater, who did a, a beautiful study a number of years ago at the um, Autism Institute, the Mind Institute in in Sacramento, and what that what that study said was that the very uh, natural killer cell, the the basic innate immune response, the front line of your defense in in the children with autism looked exactly like the moms with MECFS, fibromyalgia, some of these other multiple sclerosis, um, atypical multiple sclerosis, um, you know, the names, whatever the names are, um, you know, ex- exposure to things like um, Lyme that, that goes um, un- untreated and uncured so that it becomes then a sleeping giant that can wake up with inflammatory events, you know, all of these things. So um, um, Judy's uh, work there at the Mind Institute um, uh, alerted me to some of the very deficiencies our patients had. They also also showed that the moms, um, you know, actually had an RNA cell defect. So that's a, um, that's your your immune response um, to 
that when you see these um, viral RNAs and these naked DNAs and things in your cells, that RNA cell literally goes and degrades them to keep from creating an aberrant or a bad immune response. So if your RNA cell can't function because it's overwhelmed um, with reactivated viruses, with exogenous viruses, um, more than 50 new RNA viruses were described in the world um, last year. Of course, HBV um, replicates by an RNA intermediate, again, implicating all of the pathways um, that we found dysregulated um, in both the kids and, um, and the adults. Uh, and and this is, that is the you know the perfect storm really the doomsday scenario uh, XMRV the virus that Bob Silverman identified in prostate cancer in men with RNA cell defects uh, um, did not turn out to be a, a human infection um, but the data that support a virus or an envelope protein that looks like that were replicated in every one of our studies. And what we found um, most recently in the, in the best of the blinded studies um, was that 6% of, um, um, of the U.S. population, both patients and control, um, have an antibody that, that, is, that recognizes the envelope protein, that's the shell, what your immune system sees of these gamma retroviruses, including XMRV, but, but the entire family members. So when we start talking about our organic food, if these viruses from mice, from um, are in fact infecting animals, cows, pigs, um, the barns, chickens. They, there are a number of retroviruses in chickens, and um, you know they, those those can be expressed and, and transmitted in milk. Um, they're very stable. They last a long time. So what if our food is contaminated with viruses that perhaps right now can't be replication-competent, infectious um, uh, in, 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 in individual, but those envelope proteins can and it appears are stimulating the immune system um, um, and, and creating um, an aberrant uh, immune response. So we should, in the very least, be using those data to try and understand what those antibodies are recognizing, what might be in our environment, and maybe use as a, for instance, uh, anybody who, who has those antibodies um, um, certainly wouldn't um, be vaccinated in, at the regular schedule um, to, to use individual vaccine components to spread the time out six months, eight months, a year um, before vaccinations are given to kids to give them the best opportunities to babies so they can get that good, healthy start and an establish a strong immune system to keep these sleeping giants silent while you're stimulating a healthy immune response is, is the idea. Well, that might have been one of the most important 10-minute segments I've ever done in interviews since 2005. Thanks. I, I Thank could go you on for forever. <laughs> Dr. Mikevitz and Dr. Dittman and Allison, are you just blown away? Completely. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I, yeah, actually, too, I, Dr. Mikovitz, I, um it's great to meet you here on, the, on this show, uh, and we look forward to uh, seeing you and working with you uh, in Chicago in May. 
Um, and I want to ask you a question. I, I mean, the we know that copper is uh, the element that's inside of the metalloenzyme RNA transcriptase, and um, and today's uh, you know women's copper toxicity has gone from oh five percent in the early sixties to over eighty percent today. Um, do you know anything about this correlation between copper toxicity and you know uh, Dr. Abram Hoffer's research and um, also Pfeiffer at uh, Princeton did research on um, this uh, copper toxicity, how it turns into adrenochrome when, when people are under stress, uh, excess of cortisol levels, dehydration, not sleeping enough, um, and so forth, can, can, uh, or other heavy metals or pathogens can create uh, a serious event where people can actually even have full psychotic breaks or other mental or physical breakdowns. Um, and a, a lot of this um, is very much aligned and parallel to what you're discussing here today. Uh, yes, exactly. And you, we don't even touch all of the biosystems. So the the adrenal gland. What we're what we're seeing in 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 really young kids is is literally adrenal exhaustion. It, it's a state of where this chronic inflammation and things like copper, the toxicity, the exposure, the relentless. This is supposed to be an on off thing, uh, where where you respond when needed, but when needed isn't twenty four seven for you years. And, and so that adrenal exhaustion, you no longer can respond. And it's like putting a cloak on, on that part of your system. And when, when those responses, um, when those responses are um, dysregulated, then of course, what, what we had found and what we knew about the XMRV retrovirus wise, a lot of the biology made sense is literally there were response elements in the virus um, to, to cortical call steroids and the steroids in, in, in the body and these elements and they were turning on the virus. So you had a vicious cycle of where that was then impacting and other hormones, um, the, 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 uh, the adrenal glands and um, <laughs> again causing just a circular problem where the virus can't get, so these viruses can't get silenced and it's, it's the, the metals are indeed contributing to that as, as they're supposed to because they're they're part of the biochemistry, but it can't be a 24-7 thing, and you have to calm the brain, calm the inflammation, calm the adrenals. Um, the thyroid, we see Hashimoto's thyroiditis, um, which is just, uh, we don't know what the inflammation is from, and, and so much thyroid cancer in these patient populations and the, and the inflammation of the thyroid. So if, you're, if your thyroid can't regulate and control and, um, and, and and again, your adrenal glands are are messed up. Um, then you get to the liver toxicities and the and other issues that we can go on. But all of these body systems talk to each other and talk to the immune system, and uh, um, it really does become the the perfect storm. So we. You know, we have the, the good news. You know, this is this is a show about hope, and and this is the work that we did. Okay, XMRV uh, Silverman didn't turn out to be a human infection, but one amino acid change in the envelope of that very highly similar envelope to a lot of the various viruses in the environment could have made it. You know, the the real life contagion from from you know the the movie um, where these you know we never knew nobody. 
could imagine that retroviruses could be aerosolized and stable in urine, stable in manure. So again, we'll talk about your organics not being organic. And then the heavy metals in our environment. One of the things that attracted me to that hypothesis of waking sleeping giants is, of course, Nevada, where... um, where I was working is the heavy meta is the silver state. So the arsenic in the water approached levels that we would use in cancer therapy, um, arsenic trioxide, where we would use that in cancer therapy to, therapy to differentiate cells, to tell the blood cells to to make a leukemia go to an end-stage cell by changing its gene expression. So if you're turning on genes and you're waking up sleeping giants simply because that met the metals are in your, um, in your water, in your environment, um, and, and you don't know, um, that, that, of course, um, could, could be the reason why levels of diseases are higher, uh, of these diseases are higher around um, agricultural sites and things like that is organophosphates and, and um, the pesticides actually can do the same thing to suppress or activate in a bad way, in an aberrant way, gene expression. So um, just so much we learned from this study that we had no idea um, and, uh, and, and that's the good news. There, there are treatments. We've done a lot of work in, in cancer, in HIV, AIDS. Um, we've developed drugs and we talk about functional cures of two-year-olds on, on, on tenofovir, which now, of course, we're learning a lot of drugs that we've developed are, are not only safe, but actually are immune modulating, have what we used to call off-target effects, but those off-target effects could be hugely beneficial in, in preventing disease, and, and of course, that's, that's what it's all about. So we have huge arsenals of drugs. That's the Royal We um, in, in, in the you know, National Institutes of Health and, 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 um, and, of course, in many drug companies. And as we did with the AIDS epidemic, which looked hopeless or pandemic in the, in the mid-'90s and mid-'80s, um, yeah, now I didn't ever believe we'd be talking about functional cures, but I believe we can prevent these things, and I, and I can show you, I hope I will show you in, um, in Chicago, talks for existing drugs, what we're learning about the gut microbiome, how, how um, various things in, in the gut microbiome, the bacteria, the good bacteria can help us by turning our immune system in a positive way. So even modulating that before um, vaccines or in, in susceptible populations, um, just so many answers um, um, that, that this research and a mistaken research actually opened our eyes to, to really new paradigms that we'd never um, thought about before, but we're excited to, um, to um, turn those into prevention strategies and therapeutics right away. Yes, and preventing these things is what we're going to be about in Chicago on May 21st. We're going to be rocking in Chicago in person with Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. Stephanie Seneff, Dr. Roy Dittman, Allison Witherspoon, Dr. Mayor Eisenstein, Marcella Piper-Terry, Jen Barsamian, and more. So we hope we'll jo- you'll join us, our listeners. We're at www.autism1aeutism.one.org or autism1.org. And um, Dr. Mikovits, would you like to set anything straight in the record about uh, the situation that happened to you? I can definitely see from the wisdom you shared with us today how someone or someones would want to uh, 
use you as a scapegoat. Do you want to set the record straight in any manner? Well, I think I think that I mean we're coming out with a book, The Plague, um, a pl- just plague that talks about that. And what it talks about, the reason why we named it Plague was there. There's really a bigger issue um, where where politics um, gets in the way of medical research. Um, so I was taught, you know, do the right controls, do the experiments, um, use the solid experimental design, and the data are the data. But but our journals and, um, I'm sorry, and our government and our journals are censoring the work that they can do by, number one, censoring what they will fund, and, and number two, when a, when, a, when a paper, you know, passes peer review, um, censoring it because somebody decides that the world doesn't need to know that, um, as happened with the, um, with the low altar um, study um, about MLVs in the MECFS population. Uh, so, so really what, what happened there um, was, you know, um, there, was, there was no fraud with any of the work. I mean, Dr. Silverman in the initial isolation, uh, you know, they made a mistake. Um, uh, that's fine, uh, you know, but it was the, the mistake was in prostate cancer, and it was very interesting. If you look at everything about um, XMRV, you don't see Dr. Silverman um, out of a job or um, bankrupt or in jail. Um, it was it was only um, me who dared look at the families and look at um, this this antibody response and show the data that continued to say, well, maybe the virus was latent in this study and could be activated. Um, all very real plausibilities. Uh, there were no, there was no fraud in any of the mistakes that were made, and, and yet the government decides no more grants will be. You know, we will not look at retroviruses in these diseases. We will not look at, so they're not funded, and if they're not funded, the studies can't be done. And if they get funded, um, because you're clever enough to write around um, people understanding what you're going to do, um, then you can, then, then in fact, they'll, they'll censor it at the level of publication, and, and if all, fail, all else fails and they publish the work, um, and uh, then it's uh, unilaterally retracted when, in fact, there's a lot of data in the work and, and fraud is implied and, and they, um, we, we call it the merchants of doubt um, after a book that I, I think about it, uh, that was written about global warming is that a few scientists and high levels in the government create just enough doubt that everybody says, oh, you know, that person was a fraud or that person's a bad scientist and you somehow put this science as bad science and everybody just runs away and... Um, for good reason, of course, if you have no way to make a living and, and you can't practice medicine, of course, you aren't, or, or research, you're not going to help anybody um, uh, if, if you can't work. So, so people go underground and they don't publish their work. So it's, it's the bigger plague of, of politics um, getting in the way of ethical um, medical research. Um, this, this isn't a country that should be censoring uh, ideas or, or, in fact, scientific studies where just because we don't understand the data does, doesn't mean it's wrong or it doesn't exist. The data are there and the data haven't changed. And 
and these proteins have been found in the guts of children and, and, and adults with these diseases. The, the, we're 6% of this country or more than 10 million Americans are making antibodies that um, can that detect uh, that uh, uh, envelopes of during leukemia viruses and many of them, a whole family of them, you know, who knows what that means. But to stop studying it, um, because it, because someone doesn't want to know the answer, um, no, I don't think so. We know that there uh, is much in the way of the politics of peer review, and we are going to look forward to seeing everyone at the Autism One Conference in Chicago. The One and Two movement will launch on May 21st, that's Wednesday, May 21st. If you'd like to learn more about this or uh, about our speakers who've kindly joined us here today on the radio, please email me at taranga, T-A-R-R-A-N-G-A, at autism1, A-U-T-I-S-M-O-N-E, dot org. You can register for the conference at www.autism.org. Autism One, A U T I S M O N E dot org. I want to thank you all for joining me today, Dr. Roy Zittman, Allison Witherspoon, Dr. Judy Mikovits. Any closing remarks? It was wonderful. Thank you, Terry. Nice opportunity to finally get to talk. You are quite welcome, Dr. Dittman, well, Allison. I just want to say it's going to be a dynamite day on Wednesday. Please, everyone. Uh, connect with us, even if you can't make it physically, connect with us online and become a part of our movement. Please share this with all of your friends and family and co-workers and even your enemies. You'll make them into friends because what we're doing here is trying to preempt this national epidemic and really now global epidemic in autism spectrum disorders. I, I believe from where I'm standing, where many other researchers are standing today, we uh, are looking at an epidemic that can be turned around, but it requires you sharing your heart, your spirit, your soul with your fellow human beings and Americans right now. Let's do this. We really can turn this around. And thank you for listening us to, to us today. And thank you, Allison. It was a great job. And Terry and Dr. Mikovitz. Well said. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.